0: New York can't handle Hotlanta as they burn out and go back to the Bronx. Sporting put the L in RSL. Red Bulls cruise into the conference finals as Columbus are burr halted. And the Sounders go quietly into the night. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Totally Football Show, American Edition. Joining me again today, our Canadian national team player, Lauren Sesselman. What's up? Venice Beach FC's co-founder, Tim Walsh.
1: What it is.
0: <laughs> I still love that. And City of Angels FC founder, PJ Harris. Hello. <laughs> All right, everybody's here today. So now we know our final four. Conference points leaders, New York Red Bulls and Sporting Kansas City. And joining them are Portland Timbers and Atlanta. Okay, what a set of return games we had. It all kicked off literally and metaphorically with the second leg of the Pacific Northwest Rivalry, also known as the Cascadia Rivalry, where Seattle hosted Portland. And I say hosted in those inverted commas because uh, it's never that hospitable between those two teams. This one always delivers, and once again, it did on Thursday night. Sess.
2: Yes, what a game it was. Seattle coming in with a must-win situation after losing 2-1 to in the first leg. Ruy Diaz starts it off in the second half with a finish after Antonella drops the ball. Then Portland delivers. Blanco buries one in the corner in the 78th minute. Ruy Diaz once again with a beautiful volley after a poor clearance by Blanco. Then we're going into extra time. It's 2-1. to Going to extra time, we have the super sub, Aspria Heads one home. From Valeri, who's beautiful. Then Seattle answers once again after a Blanco handball, and Lodera scores the PK. Then we go into PKs, which is the most fun part of the game to me. <laughs> <Probably an Englishman. laughs> yeah, BJ Hayes over there to be <laughs> <laughs> ah, PKs. Yeah, my and, you know, Aspria, he becomes the hero and scores the winning PK for Portland to take it home
0: yeah the super sub right? i mean i mean i, I thought this was a great game this was the rui diaz show i between rui diaz and valeri i thought those two were were the best players for their two sides valeri as always you guys know i got that you know i'm i'm a valeri fan over here with everything that he brings to that team but also getting that assist to espria so important for them but um rui diaz scoring and just his movement throughout the game he was all over the place and there's one play where he thought he had, he, he thought Everyone in the stadium thought, everyone on TV thought he had sealed it for Seattle, that it was pretty much, you know, done, gone by, but they called it a handball. And this, that, you know, top VAR, whatever you want, you know, and PJ, I know you're the stickler with all the rules or they, there's, n- what do you always say? There's actually nothing official in the rule book about it, about a where the hands locate, a natural arm position, uh, Although that was Although being ball. revised. They are looking yeah.
3: at officially revising that.
0: Yeah, exactly. But in this situation, it was ruled a handball and then it got pulled out. So I, I, I don't know. It, it, was, it was a great game. It's exactly what you want in the Cascadia rivalry. This is one that will go down in, in the record books. I've got to go take a look at all the papers over the last <laughs> few days and what each side is saying to each other. Look on social media because I know, I know those Portland fans. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they took out an ad in the Seattle Times or <laughs> something like that. But, but, Tim, you said there was a little bit of confusion or something going on in the game.
1: Yeah, so you got to remember this is two legs. Um you know, and after after the final whistle, they were tied. They had to go into overtime. Um and you could see some confusion on the players' front. Uh some of the South American guys they thought they were advancing, not realizing they had penalty kicks and uh, away goals in overtime don't count as a tiebreaker the way they would in extra or in regular time. So, um You know, you saw Zarek Valentin trying to remind some of his teammates, "Yo, keep your cool. (laughs) We have penalties still. Um, Yeah,
3: I saw one of them with an abacus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: And then luckily, you know, they did. uh, You know, it's it's an interesting situation. In a rivalry like this at Seattle, who's the pressure on? Is it Seattle or Portland when you're stepping up to take that kick? Um, You know, you could say all the pressure's on Seattle in front of their home supporters. Portland has nothing. Nothing to lose here, um, but, you know, they came out on top.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was absolutely fabulous. But I, I, go, I go back to this. I'm not exactly sure what Portland was doing in some of these situations, as you knew that Seattle was throwing numbers forward. If you look at, at some of the goals, well, let's be honest, Blanco is at fault you know, he's involved with the goals that Seattle gets. I mean, the header that he puts right back into Mm -hmm. the box, hello, every coach will tell you up and out instead of up and right back into the (laughs) middle of the box, you know, and that allowed Rui Diaz to have an absolutely fabulous, you know, shot for the goal. Um, The other one is he's inside the box and, you know, the ball goes right to his hand. So, I mean, had a little bit of a makeup where he stepped up and he buried his penalties, you Mm -hmm. know, in, in the shootout situation. So that's great for him. But they're going to have some issues going forward there where they're going to have to be able to find someone maybe in a better defensive position or better defensive understanding than Blanco in there cuz even that one where he heads the ball back in the box if you look at it there's like six or seven Seattle players in there and there's like three to four you know Portland defenders I'm like where where is everybody going yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing get back there and defend defend yeah. right Anybody with me? No? No? Yes? Agreed. As a defender,
2: <laughs> I agree.
1: <laughs> but you have Liam Ridgewell back there. So, I mean, he's, he's a guy who I think for his leadership should be organizing them, you know. Get, get everyone on the same page. Get Diego Chara holding right in front of the, that back four. And, yeah, they squeak through this time.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the, the coach Savarese is going to have a few words with Ridgewell where you have to communicate to your team to make sure that we can see a game out, mm-hmm. you know, all the way through. You know, that that's that's just my opinion. All right. Um, I just want to say once again to everyone listening out there, thank you very much. We appreciate your support, but we also need your help to keep making this show. You can help us by spreading the word by taking a screenshot of your podcast screen right now and posting it on your Instagram story or your Twitter feed. One person who does that will win a replica MLS ball signed by myself. Now, thank you to everybody who's been doing this and for all your five-star ratings and subscriptions on Apple Podcasts. Keep it up. We need it, and we love the support. All right. Then on Sunday, we had Sporting Kansas City versus Real Salt Lake. Now, this this was an interesting one. We, We talked about, you know, Sporting Kansas City, that has been a team that dominated in the Western Conference. Real Salt Lake, that barely got in. Yes, I'm going to mention it again, due to my <laughs> struggling sour L.A. Grapes. Galaxy. Yes. Sour <laughs> yeah, a little bit of sour grapes. You know, you got to have that, uh, you know, all the way through. Uh, remember in this game, Real Salt Lake, basically, you know, we're, were struggling just because they didn't have Albert Rosnack. He was suspended within this match. So that was a huge loss for them. And also, Kansas City... You know, since they beat Real Salt Lake in the 2000, 2013 MLS Cup, they out of 12 matches, they had six losses and six draws. No wins. No wins. The MLS Cup in 2013 was the last one. Now, this is also a game that was the brothers Beisler. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah one <laughs> the 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 center backs on both sides and uh you know, when it comes to it, it was the the younger brother Beasler that struggled hmm. a little bit for Real Salt Lake because Kansas City was dominating this game throughout. Real Salt Lake had a difficult time communicating in the back line, had a difficult time of shifting over defensively between the two center backs, and especially for Beasler. And I I saw off of this first goal that comes through, it's all the, the build up through the middle for Kansas City and then balls right through the middle is where everything came up. They scored one goal. They scored the second goal almost the same time. And it was the lack of communication between Beisler and Lennon that I thought was the big problem. Remember now for Real Salt Lake, Lennon is a converted striker you know, to that right back position. So when it came into, I think, the pressure moments, he struggled a little bit as far as shifting over to make sure that he was in the right position. Um, this game was dominated probably up until the 60th minute. I would say, and that's when Real Salt Lake came back and ended up you know, getting on the board. You actually had, I believe it was Plata. Yes, it was Plata on the left flank where he was wide open, was able to take the ball inside and feed a ball where we had Sebastian Salcedo. Bofo, as a, as his nickname is, have a nice goal. You're, you're smiling over there. If you, you like that nickname, I like for Bofo is <laughs> <Bofo's> good. <laughs> you know where he was able to put that one by Malia, and there was no no opportunity. But then an answering goal comes uh, just about five minutes later after Diego Rubio is taken down in the box. Now uh, people are going to argue: was this a penalty or wasn't it? Me, that was not a penalty. Diego Rubio. Heavy touch off of the ball. There's no chance whatsoever, I think, for him to get it. And, you know, the referee makes that call. And and when you're talking about VAR, it's always about is it clear and obvious. And it's never going to be a clear and obvious. But how smart was Diego Rubio? As he recognizes that the ball is out of reach, he actually kind of flings himself a little bit to the left where he sees the oncoming central defender coming in. There's contact. He goes down. And the penalty is called. And, Yeah. That it ends up putting, you know, Sporting Kansas City in a great position to go further. Right after that, another comeback. You see Krylak off of the corner kick. Plata gets his second, um, his se- his second assist with the corner kick. Krylak comes up with a great header, and this ki- this actually allows, I think. Real Salt Lake to get back into this match. Cry like w- three goals in the playoffs. Unbelievable for a defensive midfielder. Yeah. They should move him up to striker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> straight straight away. But Sporting Kansas City you tend to think okay, they kind of cruised through this match to a degree, but there were moments where they allowed Real Salt Lake back into this match where Beesler had an opportunity nick Beesler had an opportunity if he hits the ball first time as the ball squeaks through it's an open net he use takes it. T- he takes it yeah use <laughs> that left it's, it's not just it's not just for standing <laughs> and he he allows the defense to shift over and block the shot Saverino had another opportunity mulholland had another opportunity where they could have put themselves in a great position to go through in this match but Kansas City and Peter Vermes have to wonder what happened over those last few minutes, where there was a complete collapse defensively, you know, for for Sporting KC, where they allowed all these opportunities. Then the final goal, I mean, I think is just a mistake either way. Even if that goal is isn't scored, or if it is, as it was scored, I don't think it matters. There's just seconds left, but that's how this game came out. I think a dominant performance by Sporting Kansas City for a good. 65 to 70 minutes. They've got to figure out a way to complete a game with those last 20 minutes. That's on the coaching staff. And they will have an issue with Diego Rubio being suspended for the next match. And shout out to Johnny Russell because I thought he was fabulous because off of the first goal, he springs Felipe Gutierrez that splits the back line, shifts it over to Rubio for the goal. I thought he was absolutely great. He created so many chances for himself and for others. MVP of the match for me
3: surprise surprise the attacker sympathizing with going down for the penalty
0: <laughs> it took you that long S- to jump in you can say that's my
3: yeah, different yeah. point of view as a defender you've probably been burnt by these uh, tricky attackers going down too easily I oh, guess yeah the, the bone crusher. The <laughs> bone crusher.
2: <laughs> hey, give me I never follow. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, give me credit.
0: Give me credit. I said that it wasn't a penalty. I, I said it wasn't a penalty. Now, but
3: you did praise him for
0: Yeah, I giving him credit for doing it. If you can't get the ball, you've got to do these uh I, I guess these these tactical the dark moves. arts. These the dark arts as you like to call them, tactical ways to find to find it. You know, you got you gotta do it you got to do it. I mean, what, any, anybody else? Opinions on this game? Was well, this, I this just a dominant said, form? You know,
3: speaking of dark arts uh, on social media, Kansas, Sports in Kansas, posted a little animation of the Real Badge, which featured the R and the S dropping off, leaving the L. Not all that sports in Kansas, I'd say. <laughs> but, Tim, you <laughs> said that Real had been salty with LAFC previously on social media, so yeah, I guess there's yeah. a little retribution or karma. What did they do to LAFC?
1: They did something about um, giving the new boys in the league, you know, a big L. You've got to back that up. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sporting Kansas City, they had their little graphic designers in the office <laughs> give RSL a taste of their own medicine there. Yeah.
0: Well, we know social media, that's where you can. That's where you can do it, right? Yeah. You can give those little <laughs> jabs here and there. You can't do it in the real world anymore, but in social media you can you can have a little bit of fun. I think that I think that's important.
3: Yeah. I, I also saw good. a report that uh Real's uh technical director, Dan Murphy, is leaving for DC. So he may be somebody who's not gonna help them figure out the problems next season. Uh, you know, personal changes already <laughs> like before the dust has settled on the game.
0: Well, that's how it goes, right? I mean, cutthroat business. It is a cutthroat business, and we see stuff happen quickly. We've seen it at LA Galaxy. We've seen it at Real Salt Lake, and, it, and trust me, it's going to continue, you know, throughout. Okay, that's going to do it for part one. We'll be back in a moment talking Red Bulls versus Columbus and Atlanta versus NYCFC. For sales and advertising, please contact Muddy Knees Media at hello at muddyneesmedia.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Totally Football Show, American Edition, now Red Bulls versus Columbus. PJ, you got this one.
3: Yeah. uh, You know, big one. And and not everybody here thought that the Red Bulls would come up with it. They Uh, did. uh, uh, Are you trying to say that? (laughs) You're the only one that picked Red Bulls? (laughs) Okay. I'm not saying nothing. I'm just, you know, I think we all know what happened. You're happy with that, right? I felt pretty good about it. Uh, And, yeah, they look good. Royer scored in the 73rd and 76th to lock it up for New York. And uh, it's 3-0 in the second leg. Took them through Columbus. I think they just ran out. You know, they just ran out of ideas and they couldn't compete. Red Bulls look really strong. Three one on aggregate. They'll play Atlanta in the conference final first leg. Twenty uh, fifth. That's going to be a great game. You would think. I mean, what a tie that that's going to be. And there's going to be, if anything, even more people than the record attendance Atlanta had at the last game. So, that could be a full house there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that one's going to be incredible. The farther, let's be honest, Atlanta goes, the more attention they're going to get. Now you have first and second place mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference, first and second place as far as the standings overall. Yeah, it's going to be a good
3: one. Uh, New York's Alex Mule scored in the 17th minute for a 1-0 lead, and that leveled the aggregates uh, to one each. Uh, the crew took the first leg 1-0 with uh, Zardis and the match started as well as the Red Bulls could have hoped. They got an important first goal from a set piece. Uh, Sean Davis sent a long free kick to the left side of the box, and Royer knocks it down to Aaron Long. His shot came off Mule. You know, I'm not sure how intentional it might have been, but you know. It's not in intentional. <laughs> it's not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> he Look, I'm sure, like yourself, you'd have claimed that as intentional, right? <laughs> yeah, you always claim it, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that sets up a great conference final with Atlanta, and you know, that's that's the one I'm going to be looking at as we we go into the next round of games. Well, you're going to be looking at all of them, I hope. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but when we look at that game between Red Bulls and and Columbus, I know I was shocked because I think they completely Red Bulls completely dominated uh, Columbus. I thought the outside backs getting forward were spectacular. You know, for Red Bulls, they pinned the outside backs of of Columbus back, and that allowed you know, the players through the midfield to create damage. When you talk like Tyler Adams off of the goal that he set up Royer, he actually comes through that midfield position because there's no one else able to pick him up because everyone's so concerned about the outside backs getting forward. And you have, obviously, Bradley Wright Phillips as well. And then he comes in late. It's a nice one-touch ball, and Royer's right there. It's probably one of of the better goals through the playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I I mean, overall, the push – by Red Bulls, I think, kept Columbus pinned back way, way too much for Columbus' sake to even try to have an opportunity. And once they got the one goal, you know, it really, really opened up Thing. I also think it opened up, when you look at um, Red Bulls, we've got to remember this is the six straight shutouts at home yeah. for them, which ties a record, which I think is extremely important to think about. And now you start thinking about how important um, that home field advantage is playing that second game at home, especially in this next, le- next leg?
1: Yeah, especially at this point in the season. Um, you know, Red Bull Arena hasn't always been the craziest atmosphere, but it looked insane in this game, and it looked like all the fans are starting to get behind them. Um, yeah, they, they had an incredible team performance. You look at the first goal, Sean Davis, Aaron Long, Alex Mule, these are all their young, homegrown guys. Second goal, beautiful team play, and then you know Royer just stepped up and finished the game on his own within a matter of minutes. So um, awesome game performance by the Red Bulls, and yeah, you're looking at 11 quality, dangerous players peaking at the right time. Well, that that's key, right?
0: Uh, I mean, wouldn't you agree? It's like Bradley Wright Phillips even said he feels like this year that all the pressure isn't on him to score. Yeah. That he has others to step up. I mean, how important is that, Lauren? I mean, when you talk about having multiple people come into the game and contribute.
2: I mean, it's huge. If everyone's, you know, on the same page, everyone's stepping up when they need to step up, especially in big games like this. I mean, it's a total team performance.
3: Hmm. Yeah, that's why I always feel good when you show up at five side. <laughs> I got somebody to take the burden from me.
1: No, but I think uh, it's clear within these last couple games, right? You look at what you know, Red Bulls have done together as a collective unit and what Atlanta has been able to do. And it's, you know, a level above the teams who've barely squeaked into this point. So, um, you know, it sets up that Eastern Conference final where you have to imagine whoever gets out of that is
3: favorites to take the yeah. league. Uh, and they'll be hosting the final too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: And speaking of Atlanta, maybe we saved the best for last because this one was... Hotly, Atlanta, hotly <laughs> anticipated. <laughs> what a game. Uh, Sunday also saw Atlanta beat NYCFC 3-1, to making it 4-1 to on aggregate.
1: Tim? Yeah, as one New York team convincingly put their place in the next round, NYCFC uh, not necessarily in the same class overall as Atlanta in this two-game tie. Um, this game early on, Darlington Nagby play a beautiful piercing ball um behind the NYCFC defense. Tajori Sharati rips down Franco Escobar, who was cutting back on him, and then sets up Joseph Martinez to get the party started, and he did it with his own unique style of taking a penalty kick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> unique he, to say the
1: least, right? He kinda <laughs> he kinda galloped, pranced his way up to the ball, and then did this jump where you know he's he's trying to throw off Sean Johnson and get a get an idea where he's going, but it was it was an interesting technique because you know if you see Sean Johnson going to the shooters right, I don't know how he's going to be able to switch it up. So um, yeah, he he did his PK, they score and it kind of gets the party started. Um, then we see Al Moron, welcome back. You know the guy who makes this team tick. And again, he picks up the ball, he's charging at NYCFC, and Maxine Chenoy brings him down um, just outside the box there where El Moron steps up, beautiful free kick, and 2-0 at this point. Right before the half, NYCFC get one back, it's actually Chanoy who picks up a header off a deflected free kick. Um, interestingly enough, Franco Escobar is the guy who left him free there in the box, and Gives them a little bit of momentum going into halftime. I'm sure they're feeling like they have a chance, but second half comes around, and Atlanta just different class. Um, We see Joseph Martinez get his second goal off of, a again, a bold strike on goal. He he gets played behind the defense, has enough time to look over at the (laughs) linesman, make sure he's onside, and then instead of settling the ball completely, he just – cracks a volley in near post and kind of cap the party for Atlanta and gets them to the next
3: round. What is going on with penalty takers these days? What happened to the couple of steps up, slot in the bottom corner, raise your right hand, wheel away?
0: Well, uh, okay, I'm glad you brought that up because we got to go all the way back. We let you go through this telling us about the game, but there's so many points here we got to go on. Mm. The penalty, as you said, PJ, I mean, that was, as as you said, Tim, a prance. A (laughs) a, a, A hop, skip, and a jump. And I... I, I would like some goalkeepers out there to ask, does that make it more difficult for you when he's hopping in the air? You've got to go online and see this to see if, if you don't know which way he's going. Because I, I know from a kicker's perspective, that's got to be extremely difficult to change up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, once you're in the air, which way you're going. Right? I, yeah. mean, I mean, Lauren, you took p- PKs, didn't you? No, you yeah. didn't like them.
2: <laughs> no. Back in my forward days, I used to love taking PKs, but I was never that fancy. I, I would always look one way because I always know the goalkeeper was watching my eyes and shoot the opposite way. Sneaky. I'm not very sneaky.
3: But defenders often make the best penalty takers. We do.
2: Because we're simple. No, no offense. Simple.
0: Well, it's because no, no one expects them to make it. So
3: when they <laughs> do, it's like,
2: <laughs> okay,
0: there you go. Okay, good stuff. All right. An- another point. Okay, we got the PK situation. Almiron.
1: Yeah.
2: Wow.
0: I mean, I think he, I, I, I'm going to argue again. MVP of the league. You can see the difference that he makes for this team when he's just on the field. I mean, that that Atlanta United go from a a, a, a bug to a Porsche mm-hmm. in, in seconds. Whenever Almarone is on the field, he is absolutely fantastic. In, in the sixth minute, he's turning players around and he set the tone of the game. With him on the field, Joseph Martinez is a lot better. They even, that combination, the way they look for each other, right? Yeah. They they had passes where Martinez is looking for Almiron and vice versa. Martinez sent Almiron through yeah. on one of the plays, and he just missed. I mean, th- those two together, I think probably the best combo in the league.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just the space he creates for Joseph. I mean, he attracts so much attention himself, Miguel, that Joseph Martinez is able to make other secondary runs where he gets to benefit from it so um it's it's a whole different team and I think if you look over the course of a season a few weeks ago we were saying Atlanta you know they peaked they they this might not be their year to go deep to the final or take the whole league so the fact that they got over that little hiccup and put it behind them and it looks like it's a whole you know they're back to their best what a time to be hit in stride again so um yeah this sets up a This Eastern Conference Final, I think, is going to be a fun game.
3: They've peaked in a few other respects, too. This was a playoff record attendance, 70,250, I believe. Uh, They were also listed by Forbes as being the most valuable MLS franchise, which is some going. You know, they're new, and they've done such a great job. They're they're listed at an estimated $330 million franchise uh, value. So that's... I mean, that eclipses a lot of European teams in terms of club worth. Interesting. And I I kind of wonder, if the MLS handbrake is eased off at some point, is this a club that could become a global club, you know? Is this a super club in the making?
0: Well, what do you mean by the handbrake? What's the handbrake? The salary cap? Salary
3: caps, you know, the the overall uh, level of competitiveness when compared to elite leagues or, you know, so-called elite. See, I would
0: argue MLS is an elite league. Man. I Come think on. you
3: probably <laughs> could make a case for it in the context of top six to ten.
1: I think for for a team like Atlanta, any MLS team to go into being known as you know one of the top clubs in the world.
3: They're going to have to win Champions League.
1: They're going to have to win. Yes. You know, they're going to have to do more than just one good season in the open. In terms
3: of that fan base, you know, the, their attendances are starting to yeah. regularly beat uh, a lot of the, the preeminent teams.
1: They're also going to have to figure out how to do this without Miguel Amaron, Tata, yes. and yes, Joseph Martinez like. <laughs> <laughs> next year. There's the big issue
0: there. Because, and Tata, because, let me tell you, coach
3: of the season, Kobe, too, right?
0: Yep, coach of, this, coach of the year. Um, yeah, duh. No. <laughs> Almaron, I know we all saw it, the set piece he hit as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, with his performance in this game and that set piece, Almaron, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> he's out. He, he's Premier League next year. So, everyone listening over in England, you'll see him on one of those teams, guaranteed. I mean, there's a lot of talk of the London clubs. If you're talking about Arsenal or Tottenham, you know, it be interesting. And I, I, I have to believe there's other leagues looking at him and possibly more teams.
1: In the Premier League, Mm -hmm. you know, for Almeron.
3: And was this uh, the last goodbye for Spanish Dev with New York? Mm
1: -hmm. I think it could be. Um, No one really knows what's what's next for Villa. Um, David. 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 He
2: wants to play one more season.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but whether that's going to be in NYCFC or not, they're a club who I think needs to restructure after losing Vieira, and you know.
0: They need to restructure their field. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's Agreed. that's what they, they need got a to lot do. to figure out because when they go and play on other teams and you're talking about playoff time i think it definitely affected them in train in playing on a much larger field where teams are used to playing different tactics and they're so used to that small field i think it it throws them off mm-hmm. during the playoff season Cause we all know during playoffs things change up a little bit yeah you
3: know, so yeah i'm that open dp spot if does leave you know it begs a big question, because obviously the the context of the city group are the players there that maybe might transition into this team because they've got to put somebody in there if he leaves, and I, I think that's a big question for this organization.
0: Yeah Well, yeah. how much of an issue I mean I'll, all of you can chime in on this. How much of an issue is it if you're looking for another DP like David Bia, to come over and take a look at NYCFC? And there's no solid plans in the future for a decent field, and you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna have to play on this type of field on a baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless, we know we love the Yankees and all that stuff, but I mean that that's got to be way heavily in a decision. Yeah, yeah? And
3: it restricts the type of player that they can recruit. Right, it has to be yeah. somebody who can cut teams apart in that context. Yeah, it's uh, it's no good bringing in a a guy who sprays 50 yard passes, really. Yeah. Pillow worked to an extent, but that field limits his ability.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I, yeah I, think were it, say I think it's gonna be it. interesting. I I mean for the foreign player coming to the MLS. I think New York is enough of a sell. Um that might not be the most ideal stadium, but it has its own appeal to these you know, to these guys with its history and in, in the Yankees and whatnot. I don't really think it you know, I, I think a lot of these guys will come over, look at what they're being paid, what city they're going to live in, and then worry about the team or the coach or the field.
0: Yeah, but th- there, there you go. Look at the order of what, what everything is. Soccer is third. <laughs> Football is third. The field, is, the, playing, uh, the playing is third Unfortunately. You know, at, at, with everything else. And that, if we are talking about this league getting better, we're talking about the teams elevating themselves to the top leagues and the top teams in the world, the football, the soccer has to be number one. Mm-hmm. First first in my mind. You know, and if the, and if that's limiting, you gotta make some changes. You gotta find a way to to I don't know, I think I think that make that field situation right. So that players are just going, you know what? I do like the city. Yeah. I do like what I'm getting paid, but this is this is what I expect. This is what I want when I'm playing this game. Uh, and that
3: may be the case with Rooney's transfer. You know, D.C. wasn't the most obvious team for him to move to, given that a lot of other Europeans go for L.A. or New York. Yeah. And he seemed to prioritize the football.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, for a big thing for NYCFC is their city group that's behind them. So one huge thing was bringing Patrick Vieira over because it wasn't just a player. It was somebody bringing new ideas and a new system. And maybe a young world-class coach, world-class player kind of getting into his coaching career. Could create a culture. Um, I think this club is going to need somebody in that role. So hopefully, outside of their player pool, Man City's resources will be able to find someone new who can steer the ship in the right direction.
0: Okay, so we got Atlanta hosting New York Red Bulls. Who you got in this one game? Quick, quick. Atlanta. Atlanta.
2: Atlanta.
3: Atlanta.
0: Okay. We got. I'm going to Atlanta too on that one. Portland hosting Kansas City.
3: Kansas City. Kansas City. I'm with them. Kansas again.
2: Ooh, in Portland.
3: Yeah. Overall. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. Overall. Oh,
0: no, no, no. We we want the one game, man. In the, <laughs> in the one game, we we got time. Come on.
3: I'm gonna go for a draw.
0: You're going. Wow, well, you're so exciting. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna be a contrarian and I'm gonna go Portland. On this one. All right. So so we see where the, all that stands. All right. The next round of playoff games take place on the 25th for the first leg and the 29th for the second leg. And before then, we have two international games. So be sure to keep up with all the latest soccer news on the Totally Football Show American Edition next Wednesday. And join us in part three as we look ahead to the first of those, England versus the U.S. men's national team. Go, USA. <laughs> That's PJ giggling in the back, yes.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah. Don't say that as a reflection on my opinion on your
0: chances. (laughs) I never would. I never would. Welcome to the third and final part of today's Totally Football Show, American Edition. So, big game. U.S. Men's National Team, USA, USA, USA. Head to Wembley Stadium, of course, to play England in the Wayne Rooney Foundation game tomorrow. Go ahead, Tim. You can giggle now. Go <laughs> ahead. You're laughing about this.
3: <laughs> hey, it's for a very good cause. I
1: mean, this is a real international exhibition match. W- w- what's the Wayne Rooney
3: Foundation? It's a charitable organization established by Mr. Rooney. and it- So it's a charity
1: match or a testimonial?
3: No, it's, a, it's an official international <laughs> friendly, but it will... Proceeds of which will benefit um, the Rooney Foundation and Clare House.
0: Wait a second, wait a second. Is this called the Wayne Rooney Foundation game? Yes. By
3: who? The FA.
0: Wow, so this is this is, this is taking it to all those critics about Rooney getting a cap. They get legitimized a little bit more when it's called the Wayne Rooney Foundation. They're
1: really proud of what he's done here in DC United.
0: (laughs) I'm sure all all of them are. He's the pride and joy of England. PJ's taking offense over there. (laughs) See his face over there? He's getting a little like. (laughs) No,
3: look, I I think, honestly, it's not. I think the cause it's going towards is is great. No one's arguing the cause. No No
0: one's arguing the cause at all.
3: Uh, 65,000 people going, 20,000 of those tickets were sold since it was announced Rooney would be playing. So there's been some impact and uh should be a good atmosphere. I, I don't really know what to expect from the US team. This is a team without a coach.
1: Yeah, I think same thing is as- U.S. and England are in similar positions right now, where they got a very oh, I young. different. <laughs> <laughs> they got a very young group Remind of players. Remind me how you did at the World Cup? Huh? Remind me how you did at the World we Cup? We took this one off, bro. Yeah. We're
3: taking, we were taking a so. break. I mean, we were so excited
0: after the last matchup between the U.S. We, and England we,
3: in the World Cup. What was the score of that game? <laughs> you know, I, I've what, had a lot of knocks. What there, was it? Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair
1: enough.
0: <laughs> I think we came out all right. Go ahead, Tim. Feel free.
1: Yeah, this should be a fun game, though. I think, you know, there's young players who are who are coming up for U.S. and in England, you know, they're bringing a younger group into the squad. So it might be a sneak peek at, you know, way, the way these teams look in the next big tournament.
3: And we're going to see Klinsman for the U.S. team. Maybe.
1: Yeah, mm. that's an interesting one. Jonathan Klinsman getting pulled up. Um, we'll see. Probably get a little bit of experience on the bench, but we have – Evan Horvath and a few other players who I think have a little bit more experience to jump in goal there right away. Um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting one. We'll see a, some of the U.S. guys hopefully left out so they can compete. The Tyler Adams, um, Aaron Long, you know, some of those guys. And it'll be a good chance for the European guys to get get some minutes. But two big games here for the U.S. with England and Italy coming up. Um, always fun to watch as a as a fan.
0: I, I completely agree. This It's it's important for me, for these young guys, to get an opportunity uh, to play in these big matches. I think it's something something to be said. I mean, you know, like w- we all talk about Tyler Adams. We all talk about Kellen Acosta, you know, players like that, especially in the central. And it always seems to be the central area because we know that's where we pretty much struggle, mm-hmm. you know, throughout in that midfield area as far as the qualification process for the U.S. So it's good to see these guys getting – a chance, You know, you have to have the young players in there because you have to build for the future. And these guys are, you know, they're in their early 20s. You know, we have some players that maybe get called in that are in their teens. But I'm not concerned about that. I think we have a lot of players here in the U.S. and overseas that are getting quality minutes at big clubs, you know, around the world and playing very competitive matches.
3: Yeah. Uh, Everton's Anthony uh, Jed and going to miss this one with... One of these mysterious international injuries, mm. you know, that just crop up around friendlies.
0: That 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 always happens. I mean, I, I you know, we speak about Tyler Adams, but I mean, he's right in the middle of the playoff run, and and I'm not sure. I think I heard some rumors about he might have a little bit of a hammy, you know, type thing. The, the hammy always an interesting one. I, I remember back in the day with Roy Wagerly, you know, anytime. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm not. Roy,
3: sorry, bro, but you
0: know, it would always be like, oh yeah, yeah, my my, my hammy's a bit tight. You know, that is always that one and, came down okay. with the case of the Ryan Giggs. <laughs> yeah, you got to yeah. go, go rest, go rest. You know that type of thing. So it'll be interesting to see which players come through, which players uh, are a little bit injured and can't make it, and you know which ones go. But this is this, for me. I think it's interesting for the coach. You have to make a decision, right? You, 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 and you have to understand that it's a little different here in MLS because this is right in the middle of the playoffs that these games are being called. So it's important to understand that head coaches of teams aren't going to want their players traveling all the way across the pond. And
3: you know, it's going to be so demoralizing to say that loss as well.
0: Oh, for, for the English? Yeah. I mean, I can understand <laughs> that. It's going to be difficult for them to get, get beat by a young, young American team. But you don't want those players going all the way across there, playing the game, then having to fly all the way back. They're getting taken out of sync and all that. So I can understand why coaches would probably want to you know, pressure the current uh, head coach in, of, of the national team and pressure their players a little bit to say, hey, maybe you take some time off here and, and rest at home.
3: Well, here's the question for you, Mr. USA and Ms. Canada. Where do you stack those priorities? Is your priority with your club? You know, if you're going on international duty, does that trump everything? Because this is, like you say, it's this is a critical time of the season. How do you feel about success?
2: You know, I think that's a hard one because you always want to represent your club. I mean, you're, sorry. I think that's a hard one because you know you always want to represent your country. And those games, you know, they're friendlies, but still, they're still vital for you. But, I mean, you have to... recovery is so important and to step into it with the playoff run like i mean it's huge like i've never really been in the playoffs so i can't you know i think it's different um on the women's side but um yeah i mean it's it's crucial for you to be healthy if you're an essential part to that playoff team so
3: so club for you i would know where you are
2: you know i mean it's always going to be country but at this stage i really have to say club controversial I know, but I don't know. What does Kobe feel about this one? Uh,
0: I, I think you have to take every game. You know, you have to look at it. And, and I understand the Im- importance of it. I Look, I always wanted to play for my national team regardless. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little different when you're right in the middle of the, the playoffs. But that being said, we, we mentioned this and we talked about this beforehand, is it's it's almost for listeners out there. It's like playing in the Champions League and teams, top teams in the world, want to win Champions League, but they play their club games in between. It's it, that's kind of the way, and a, like a flip to kind of how you would view it. I just think when you're talking about Champions League, though, you're you're traveling what an hour by plane, two hours by plane, maybe more or less, more or less. We're talking about six hour, seven hour flights from the East Coast. If you're on the West Coast, you're talking eight, nine hours overnight. You're traveling a full, I don't even know how many time zones. So for me, if I'm looking at it from and being selfish, I say at this time, you've gotta put an import on your club because it's more important during playoffs and it's more competitive than a friendly national team game, period. All right, changing subject, changing topic, uh, USL championship goes to Louisville. Louisville. Tim, a couple of your boys, right? Yeah. On that team?
1: Pat McMahon and Sean Toast. Shout out to them. Three-time USL champions. Um, Louisville's second one in a row here. So they're kind of coming out as, uh, you know, the new powerhouse of the USL. This one was an interesting game. It was cool because you got to see Louisville host the game in front of their own fans Um, you know, they packed the stadium there right at the university. And what was cool about this is, you know, Phoenix has Didier Drogba playing his last professional match. So I think it brought a whole nother level of attention to Drogba's last game, which is awesome for the USL. It's awesome for US soccer for a second division game to kind of have this platform. That being said, it wasn't the prettiest. (laughs) Um, Louisville got a 1-0 win with uh, Luke Spencer scoring a goal a little bit of a jammy play in the box he puts in but um, yeah overall it was it seemed like a special night you know seeing seeing a close game Drogba playing his last game but the quality of soccer was not there necessarily for both teams so um, overall congrats to Louisville and yeah, let's see what they can do.
0: You're you're being so kind. <laughs> you mentioned some other stuff, too. What, what was Drugba doing in this match? <laughs> <laughs> it's his just, just farewell game.
1: I, I think mean, there's a it is Didier. You <laughs> know, he's allowed to shoot from half when he wants, which was which was funny because, you know, the first five minutes, he, he decides to take a free kick literally from 47 yards out, <laughs> puts it <laughs> on frame with classic Drogba technique. You know, he makes the ball kind of knuckle and dance in the air for a while. Uh the, the Louisville goalie had trouble. He spilled it for a corner. So from that point out, every free kick that was <laughs> in the opposing team's half, you saw Drogba try to shoot. And every single one after that went almost outside the
0: stadium.
3: Yeah, one of them landed in my garden this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you know what's great about
0: that? Who's gonna tell him no? Yeah. We, we have to remember he's not player or coach. He's player <laughs> slash owner. You know, so yeah. no one's stepping up to him and saying don't do it. And hey, it's his last game. I think he wants to try to put a mark on things.
1: Fortunately, didn't go, unfortunately
0: didn't go his way. Did yeah. you
3: boys forgive you for not backing them last week?
1: <sighs> I don't think they heard it, but um,
3: Well they did. Everybody listens.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> actually, they. You know, since John Hackworth came over, he's had his own. Cool. Uh, Style? <laughs> 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 he, he's, he, you know, he's picked a different lineup. So both, of, one of them came in at the end, uh, late sub. But I'm sure they're they're a little bit happy they didn't have to mark Drogba and no, for the, sure let uh, their homies take care of it. Well, congratulations,
0: Louisville! Well done, USL Championship, second in a row. Got to love that. Sess, you have some information on us uh, for NWSL news as well.
2: Um, yes, but before we talk about the World Cup, we'll just touch on the NWSL. Not too much right now, just uh, wanted to let you guys know for the fans out there that the college draft will be taking place on January 10th in Chicago, so that's a big thing in everyone for something for someone everyone to watch out for. And then going into the international, the fun stuff, the World Cup stuff, um, we have U.S. taking on Portugal and Scotland in these past two friendlies over these past two weeks. Um, they came away with a 1-0 win versus Portugal, and then a beautiful game versus Scotland, um, just less yesterday winning 1-0 off of a beautiful finish from Alex Morgan who is on fire right now. I have to give credit where credit is due. 25 goals. Um, this is her 98th goal. So that's wow. pretty big. Well,
0: shout yeah. out to Alex. Yeah. yeah. Culver be- City too. Yes. <laughs> you know, she
2: she's coming up big for the US right now and the US is unbeaten in 2018. This year they are unbeaten. How like that's incredible. I mean, this is a testament to just the depth that they have on this team, and you have to give credit to Scotland because they played them very well. It was a great game um, you know they they held them for most of the game. If you watched it, there was it was a lot of back and forth, and Scotland had some chances and I have to say, Scotland they qualified for the World Cup for the first time ever this year, yeah. so this is just this is a great matchup for them just to kind of see where they 're at going into the World Cup next year. And I want to give the list of all the teams that have qualified this far, um, just for all the listeners out there because they're wondering. So we have Australia, Brazil, Canada, Chile, China PR, England, France, Germany, Italy, Jamaica, Japan, Korea Republic, Norway, Scotland, Spain, Sweden, Thailand, and the U.S. And then also the Netherlands just qualified. And Argentina, who has not qualified in 12 years for the first time, In 12 years, they have qualified. So that's huge for Argentina. So Mm. congrats to them. And then we still have four more spots left. So we have three African teams that are waiting to qualify and one team from the Oceania waiting to qualify. And those are coming up next week. So that's going to be huge. And for uh, the US Women's National Team fans out there, this is going to be a true test for the US coming up in January. January 19th, they're going to be playing France. Which I love, France. I love the way they play. So I think that's going to be an exciting game for the fans to watch out for.
3: Yeah, I mean it's interesting because Scotland, uh, you know, th- there isn't a lot of investment in the women's game there. Mm-hmm. I think the players who are succeeding there are playing in the in, in the English league. So for that program to be competing at least in a one-off with the US is uh, it, it suggests that it's going to be an open tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <coughs> speaking to that, now I apologize if I get your name wrong. Kis Thieven on Instagram. Let's go with that. Kiss <laughs> Thieven. Uh who does Lauren see as USA's main competitor at the World Cup?
2: I think it's a great question, a question because if you've been watching the women's game over the past couple of years, it's it's really anyone's game. I mean, you have you see Jamaica stepping up, just different teams stepping up and I think U.S. obviously is the favorite to win, always the favorite. But I love France and Australia, and I have to give a shout-out to my Canadians because they have been performing very well over the years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love the way France plays, but they're, they're not great at getting the job done and winning. So that has historically been a friend. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> I know, but all around, on paper, just, just watching the speed of play, the players that they have, just tactically, technically, I think that they are the best team. And then Australia, I think, is a dark horse in this tournament, and I think it's these teams are going to give the U.S. a run for their money.
0: So, how important is it for you, as as a women's player, seeing the makeup of the game change, where it's not just okay, it's the U.S., it's Germany, but now all of a sudden you have Jamaica mm-hmm. coming in, you have Argentina after twelve years finally making back, Scotland stepping up. I mean, how? I mean, the the game is getting larger in a sense you you know and it's bringing so many different countries into the game
2: yeah and I'm loving it it's just a a testament to the people following the game people investing in the game Um, I mean the NWSL has grown so much I mean all the other leagues beforehand have folded so that's just a testament to all the people just putting forth the time you know and just really having the women's game grow and I think it's phenomenal to see these all these different countries just really stepping up to the plate when they really never had a chance before. And pe- as I said, as we said, Jamaica, as we talked about previously, you know, their government spending, you know, more time with them, you know, more money and just really everyone welcoming them a little bit more. So I think that's just really cool to see. And I don't know, this is going to be an amazing world cup. So I'm really excited about this. I hope you guys are excited about it too.
3: I am. I just on the NWSL, I think Jeff Plush, was the, was the commissioner mm-hmm. resigned like a year ago, mm-hmm. and I t- don't think they've still filled that vacancy full time. So that's something that yeah, that's would be thing. helpful for them to address.
2: Oh, definitely, that's a big. Yeah.
0: It's amazing what you know, time and money will do exactly. to, <laughs> to an organization, right? All right, PJ, you have a question.
3: I do, and you know, again on Instagram, Kathy C sixty seven. Now, Kathy, I'm I'm not sure if you got the right totally football show here, but we'll go with it. She says she just, she's in Australia. She just started to watch this thing, uh, NFL, NFL, oh my NFL am I saying it right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, and she's looking for a suggestion on who to follow.
2: Packers, <laughs> Packers.
0: Oh, look at that. Seth is right away with the Packers. Oh, man. follow Follow the LA Galaxy. <laughs> 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 there we go. All right. So let's 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 uh, respond to her and get her on the right track. You know, she can follow us as much as she'd like. Come on. Okay, that's going to do it for us for episode five. Not sure that's exactly how I wanted to end it with the NFL there. I'd like to thank Sess, who you can find on Instagram at L LSesselman.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Tim, whose handle is at TWalsh.88. Thank you. PJ, who you can find at Harryvision. Thank you. And a reminder, you can follow myself at Kobe Jones13 and the show at Totally American on Instagram and at TFS American on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again on Wednesday when we'll recap the U.S. men's national team game versus England and preview the U.S. versus Italy, as well as taking a look at the MLS Cup conference finals.